1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Hello, Asif, and Happy New Year. Good morning, Tina. Happy New Year. Now, we're a weekend. Still okay to say Happy New Year? Yeah, I think we're going to go on with that for a little bit now. Okay, (laughs) yeah, we're good. Excellent. So before we get to our guest today, the big question for so many, where are prices headed in 2023? And that certainly is a big question because that seemed to be the talk through the holidays. What's going to happen with prices? What's going to happen with the housing market? There's people predicting a 30 to 40% decline this year. And then there's other people predicting that they're going to increase 10 to 20%. And it's probably going to fall somewhere in between that in, in terms that, you know, our sales were down in 2022. We know our sales were down 42 to 45% if we're looking at York Region. But prices still climbed from... 2021. And the reason was there's not a lot of inventory. Even though we're getting uh, a lot less traffic in terms of people wanting to buy with the interest rate hikes, uh, unprecedented number of interest rate hikes last year, which really affects consumer confidence. But now that we're going to start to see that level off, you're going to start to see some consumer confidence come back. And although we may not hit the targets for sales this year, we'll still see them continue to climb because we don't have a lot of inventory. And that seems to be the driving force in the economics of the real estate market is supply and demand. And when we don't have supply, and even if demand comes back a little bit, we're going to start to see prices increase. What does that mean for buyers and sellers? Who benefits in these early days of 2023? Well, as as much as people are starting to think that this is a buyer's market. Uh, the, the fact is that because we have a little bit more inventory than we did in 2020 and 2021, it's more of a buyer's market than it was. But it's still a seller's market in terms that they're still getting the prices that they want. As long as they're priced according to today's market, they're selling and they're getting the price that they want. What you're not getting is you're not getting those heated competitive bidding wars that we saw in 2020 and the uh, even the early part of 2022 you're not going to see that anymore and the banks are really tight because they want to make sure that their investment in your property is secure as well so the appraisals are going to continue to be tight and so for buyers you have to make sure that you're doing your homework and you're going in to purchase these properties at market value because they won't appraise And for sellers, it's the same thing. If you're asking too much and and suppose someone gives it to you, it may not appraise. So the house may not close. And now if you've already purchased a house, now you're in trouble. So you have to make sure that you're acting according to 2023 price points and uh, the structure for the buy and sale. Because if you're going by 2021 numbers or even early 2022, you're not going to achieve those. The phrase I heard you repeat over and over again last year was lack of inventory. Do you suspect that we're going to see the same type of situation in this spring market? We will. We'll we'll have a little bit of a flurry of activity over the next little while of people just wanting to sell because the interest rates have gone up so much. But after that, you're going to start to see that get scooped up. Um, The absorption rate is going to increase because as 
demand gets out there, as the interest rates start to settle down and and hover around the 5% mark, now people are going to say, well, this is the new normal. And it's actually the old normal, right? Because we were here before. So... Mm-hmm. You're going to start to see people get a little bit more comfortable with where they're purchasing at in terms of interest rates, and you're going to start to see activity increase, which is going to increase absorption, which means the inventory is going to start to decline again, and we're going to get back into that multiple offer scenario maybe by the end of the year. The new year also brings with it the first home savings account. Asif? That's right, Tina. And with details is our first guest of 2023, and it's financial planner Zainab Williams. Zainab, thank you so much for joining On the Market. Thank you for having me. Zainab, tell us a little bit about the FHSA. What does it allow buyers to do, and what are the qualifications to have that account set up? Absolutely. So the first-time home savings account uh, will actually be launched on April 1st, 2023. It will allow certain home buyers to save up to 40000 towards a home purchase with a maximum annual contribution of $8,000 over five years. So contributions to the FHSA, just like an RRSP, it is tax deductible and withdrawal to purchase a first home, including any growth in investments that you've had through this account, is just like a tax-free savings account. It will be non-taxable. So the new legislation confirms that a first-time home buyer can use both the FHSA and uh, the the home buyer's plan through their RRSP to purchase their first home, which is fantastic because this was a concern for many people as they had to choose whether to use their RRSPs, which has a limit of 35000 through their home buyer's plan, or the FHSA, which is a limit of 40000 At least with this new uh, rule, you can combine the two plans and maximize your down payment. In terms of the home buyer's plan, you'll have to, uh, you need to, you'll need to pay back in 15 years um, and uh, if you don't repay your uh, your uh, RRSPs back, it's included into your uh, into your actual taxable income. While with the FHSA, if you don't have if you don't end up using the fund, the plan must be closed at the end of the 15 year after the plan was opened, or the end of the year you turn 71 years old. So any unused balance in the plan can be transferred into an RRSP without affecting your RRSP limit or withdrawn on a taxable basis. For the listener out there who is that first-time buyer, what is their first step? Who do they talk to first? I would say for the listener who's a first-home buyer, they definitely need to speak to um, a financial planner to verify what exactly does it mean for me in terms of using my RRSP or opening up this first-time home savings plan. Because we have to take into consideration that it is $8,000 a year that goes into your FHSA, and it will take you about five years to maximize it to uh, the $40,000. So it's really a matter of understanding what type of financial planning I should be incorporating now if my goal is to be a homeowner in two years rather than the five-year mark. And Zenim, tell us a little bit about the difference between a tax-free savings account or the TFSA, which a lot of our listeners are familiar with, and the FHSA. Can you transfer money that you may already have in your TFSA into an FHSA, or is it two separate animals? So it's really interesting that you've, you've, um, you've asked that because the tax-free savings account, it is very flexible. 
You can use the money however you want, whereas the SHSA, you're using the money as, uh, as a down payment towards your house. And if you don't end up using your, those funds, you'll have to return it back into your RSP or you, it, will be, it will be taxed. So it makes sense if you've already if you've already maximized your tax free savings account, then you can start using your FHSA. It's just a matter of uh, understanding what is more flexible in your situation and where you've been actually um, tapping into to get that down payment. The FHSA, of course, when you do invest through it, it is tax deductible. So it's helping you if you are in a certain tax um, taxable bracket. Is the FHSA only for first-time buyers? That's, the, that's an interesting question that I get a lot. In terms of being a first-time home buyer, it means that if, uh, if you previously owned a home and um, you've been out of the market for more than four years, then you are con- considered a first-time home buyer. How about with immigration picking up? How are we going to see uh, new immigrants? Are they able to open up an FHSA? And that's also going to lead us into our next topic about the ban on foreign buyers. How does that affect it? If people have an FHSA set up, are they able to use that funds? Do they qualify to maybe bypass that foreign uh, buyer ban? Uh, Tell us a little bit about how that's going to work. Well, in terms of the the foreign buyers, Ban. That's a really interesting one because their goal is to make housing more affordable and the ban is only for two years. And of course, there are certain exemptions to this ban because uh, if you are an international student or a foreign worker, if you meet certain criteria such as living in Canada for a number of years and you are also purchasing a recreational property such as a cottage and cabin, you are exempt. So Canadians who are permanent residents, they are about 18 years old, they can be able to purchase, to purchase their home. And um, so I think it's really important for us to, to first understand if you do qualify for the FHSA, then you are going to be, you, 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 follow, you fall under certain criteria, you are a permanent resident, you're above 18 years old. But if you are a foreign home buyer, that's a different type of rule and different types of exemptions that do exist between these two categories. Now, I know our focus today is is real estate, but there are other new tax changes that come into effect in this new year. What can you tell us about those? Well, in terms of the new tax changes, there have been several um, tax changes, such as the increase of your personal income tax bracket, and uh, many other tax benefits are being increased due to inflation, such as the CPP, the Older Security, Security and EI, and uh, the basic personal amount that um, has also been increased uh, on your federal income tax up to $15,000. I think for a lot of these types of um, tax changes, it is important to speak to your tax professional to find out how exactly these are going to be impacting you especially when you're looking at um, starting out in January with all of these changes that are coming into place so that when it comes to filing your taxes, you are maximizing the credits that have also been, uh, that have also been um, established for you. And uh, it's, uh, a new one which I found really interesting is uh, the new credit on the multi-generational home renovation tax credit which will equal to 15% of eligible ex- expenses up to 50000 
incurred for a qualifying renovation that creates a secondary dwelling um, to permit people who are seniors or who are who have a disability to continue living with a relative. This will definitely help families who are looking at caring for their loved ones in their own home. So I, I think for a lot of our viewers, it is important to uh, to look at tax planning this year rather than just filing your taxes because it is a conversation with your tax planner to understand what exactly can you be able to maximize this year to ensure that um, you are uh, you're taking advantage of the credits that have been implemented. Yeah, that's a great point because there's a lot of people utilizing the bank of mom and dad to be able to purchase a home and also have them move in to care for younger children and things like that. Seeing so up great information. If people want to contact you to find out more about setting up these accounts or even about the tax credit, how can they reach you? Definitely, you can reach me at uh, www.lverity. So that's e double l e v e r i t y dot com or email me at info at lverity.com. Thank you very much for all of that great information. We look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. It's a pleasure. (laughs) After the break, a break for renters in 2023? Well, not so fast. That story is next. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Xerxes Barucha. Xerxes is from Key 2 Real Estate and Key 2 Rent. Xerxes, welcome to On the Market. Thank you for having me, Asif and Tina. Xerxes, I know you guys do a lot of rentals and property management in, in terms of servicing your rental clients. What's happening out there in rentals right now? We're hearing reports that one-bedroom condos are now going for almost 2500 to $3,000 in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely, Asif. It's, uh, it's, it's quite amazing what's happening out there. Uh, if you've uh, invested in a property, uh, and as Asif was mentioning, in downtown Toronto, specifically condos, we're seeing those uh, one-bedroom rents and one-plus dens and two-bedrooms really take off. I mean, if you look on a year-to-year over average, I mean, they're up over 20% year over year. I think with the qualifications, with the increase in the interest rate, uh, what's happened is it's forcing more people to rent. And at the same time, with immigration numbers taking off and Toronto being a hotspot for immigration, that puts added pressure on the rental market. Are you experiencing bidding wars in the rental market? We definitely are. We're, we're seeing that a lot. Um, it, again, if, depending on the property and the location, um, and the timing of things, you really have to be on it as far as if you're representing a tenant is concerned to get to the property in a timely manner and get those documents into the landlords. And Xerxes, with that competition, it makes it really harder to rent a home. I mean, some people are saying it's harder to get a rental right now than to qualify for a mortgage in terms of paperwork and qualifications. What are you finding in terms of who's renting these properties? Because it's not the same type of demographic that used to be renting these properties? 
No, you're absolutely right, Asif. Uh, we're, we're seeing people, I mean, the, the landscape has changed completely. Um, I was mentioning this to someone else the other day, uh, you know, previously about 10, 15, 20 years ago, you'd be in a situation as an immigrant coming to this country, you know, you needed Canadian experience to get a job, and, you know, it would take you a while to get your feet wet, so to say. Uh, in today's day and age, I'm getting calls from overseas, referrals from clients overseas where they haven't even stepped foot into Canada. They have a job with no probationary period, and, uh, you know, they're they're making a very healthy income. And so landlords are looking for people who have healthy income, very healthy credit, um, and, you know, they're looking for those that, that quote-unquote ideal family or ideal tenant who is extremely well qualified from a financial and has good credit history. And some landlords are even taking into consideration credit history from other countries versus locals. So with so much competition, how does someone looking to rent gain the upper hand? That's a great question, Tina. So what we found is having uh, one agent represent a client um, is, is really healthy, especially someone who knows the rental market and who's giving tenants options um, and showing them different types of properties or different locations that are convenient to the tenant, making sure that all their documents are in place ahead of time before they go out. As I mentioned, it's such, it's such a bull market that you go and see a property and while you're in the elevator coming down from the condo, you get a notification saying that there's an offer on the property. So you really have to be prepared. Um, And then making sure that you have an experienced agent who's going to, you know, shape your offer and present your offer in in a very professional manner. And Xerxes, with immigration hitting record numbers, not only in Canada, but in Ontario, and the majority of the people moving to the GTA for jobs or family reasons, where are the units going to come from? Because we're already in a crunch for rental units. Where do you see the relief for renters? Uh, absolutely, Asif. You're, you're bang on there, and that's that's the question everybody's pondering. Um, with the immigration numbers being as high as they are, and then with the federal government announcing in 2022 that uh, the numbers were only going to increase from here, uh, we are in a situation in which we are going to be in a very, very tight rental market over the next, I'd say, 10 years uh, unless something drastically changes. We are seeing uh, more and more pre-constructions coming on the market, but then when you have a pandemic and you know supply chain issues causing delays, that doesn't help the situation. I think with the government, the provincial government uh, allowing people to make laneway housing or you know legalizing basement apartments, that's going to help a little bit. But it's not going to alleviate all the stress on the rental markets. I think that investors who have invested in properties outside their principal residence are going to see a great dividend return on their investment properties over the next decade. Now, in terms of the rental market, is there a type of property that is hotter than another, whether it's an entire home, uh, a basement apartment, or a condo? Uh, I think it all goes back to what we've been uh, all chasing as buyers or tenants over the last 20 years, which is close to transit lines. Mm. I think... Uh, given the amount of time it now takes to get from the suburbs into town by car, and it's only going to increase because the infrastructure is not there. So what we're going to see is properties, condos specifically, 
on the subway line or easy access to a streetcar downtown is going to have gain a lot of traction. And also houses in the suburbs that are close to a GO train station, they're, they're going to have uh, a lot of competition as far as tenants are concerned as well. And Zarkshas, let's talk a little bit about short-term rentals or Airbnbs to be specific. Lots of condo corporations have now banned them. The city of Toronto is looking at regulations for Airbnb. What are you hearing about short-term rentals and is that a solution or is that a detriment to the rental market? Uh, I, I think in the long term it's not necessarily helpful. I think we need it given the amount of, with immigration comes a lot of, uh, I would say, travel. And so, you know, you need that market there. Uh, however, it is taking away from the long-term tenants who are coming here in in huge numbers. And uh, the local population is growing at a rate where people need more space as well. Um, the houses are not necessarily being built uh, with as much land around them, so people want that space. But it's it's only causing more and more pressure on the rental market. So when you have properties that are taken away from the long-term rental market and dumped into the short-term market where landlords are charging a premium, so to say, for the short-term rental, it's not going to help the situation anymore. And, um, you know, regulations definitely need to be in place to make sure that those tenants have uh, a decent living space while they're using the space. Is there an area of the GTHA where rent is at a premium or there is very limited rental inventory? We're seeing a lot of, uh, like overall, I would say the general market is is down as far as uh, rental properties are concerned. Uh, we're, we're seeing oh, year over year from Q3 uh, 2021 to Q3 2022, we saw 25% less listings throughout the GTA. Uh, so when with regards to a specific area, uh, we are seeing the suburbs with fewer, you know, townhomes. Uh, anything under that $3,500, $4,000 mark per month, we're, we're seeing huge amounts of competition with that. And then people who've been in those properties, specifically the ones older than November 2018, don't want to let go of their rental rates. Sirxes, I know you guys do a lot of property management for your landlords, and with inflation increasing at the, the rate that it has, and the rent control guidelines dictating how much a landlord can increase their rent. Tell us a little bit about rentals from a landlord's perspective and what you're hearing and seeing. That's that's a, that's a great comment, Asif. I mean, we've we've seen everybody's the government's happy to announce that we've seen inflation, you know, above six, seven, eight, nine percent uh, year over year. Uh, but you know, they tell us tell landlords that they can't increase. Uh, their rent over two and a half percent, and at the same time, they're announcing that that's the, a record increase. Uh, overall, uh, overall, this is going to catch up over time. If, if landlords are not incentivized in in order to produce, uh, you know, quote unquote, more affordable housing to tenants, uh, more and more landlords are not going to get into the game to rent. I think the the fact that the provincial government changed and created a line in the sand. Uh, to uh, allow properties after November 2018 to not have restrictions on rent increase guidelines. Uh, that has helped certain landlords, especially in the new uh, new construction, uh, and incentivized them to invest in new construction, and we're going to see those coming online over the next couple of years. Uh, but if that trend continues where they keep putting rental caps on things, 
landlords are not going to be incentivized to produce that a more affordable housing for tenants, which is just going to increase the crisis. Sixers, I'm sure you've piqued the interest of a lot of our listeners today. If they want to contact you and learn more about the rental market, how can they do that? Absolutely. They can reach me at my email at zerxis at teamrajpal.com or my cell number at 647-249-7051. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. And when we come back, your questions for Asif Khan. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for your questions for Asif Khan. And we begin with Thomas in Markham. He wants to know if you think that with the change in the market, that when he submits an offer on a home, that there is a greater opportunity for conditions, including a home inspection or financing. So these were basically dropped due to the bidding wars last year, Asif. So what do you think happens now? Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a, I mean, conditions are back, uh, to be quite (laughs) honest. And what you're going to see now is a lot of people are including that home inspection condition. They are including the financing condition and the banks want you to include that financing condition because they want time to do their due diligence and make sure that the house is going to appraise. So what this has also done is a lot of the banks have sped up their appraisal process in order to make sure it's done within the five days or so of you putting in this financing condition. Uh, whereas before, you had to do all of your due diligence as a buyer prior to putting in that offer. So even if you wanted a home inspection, you were doing a home inspection before you put in that offer. Now you're able to do one after the fact. It's a return to the old normal, as we've kind of said before uh, in the shows. But all of the conditions are back in play. And a lot of people, even in multiple offers, are using these conditions. Our next question comes from Max in Thornhill. He wants to know if it would be easier to find a property in his preferred neighborhood at a lesser price now than a year ago. It depends on the type of property that you're purchasing and and how much demand is out there for those properties. So the misconception is prices have come down a lot. And Mm. what you're seeing is market level is still the same, but what people were willing to pay for that property is different. Because in a multiple offer, there was no hesitations when people were going in two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars over asking. But you know, was that market value? It could have been market value because the realtors may have underpriced the property. So it really depends on your realtor and yourself doing your due diligence, making sure what market property or market value is for that property, and then working with that to kind of figure out a number as to where this property should end up. But a general. off of last year's prices isn't going to work. It's market-specific, area-specific, and also property-specific. Do you think now is the best time to list a property, or is it better to kind of wait on the sidelines until things change? The best time to list a property is when you don't have competition. So Mm. right now, there's not a lot of inventory out there. New listings were down even uh, at the end of December. New listings were down for December. So there is a huge opportunity for sellers to get on the market and get the jump on the spring market by putting their homes up for sale now because they're not competing on price with their neighbors. 
So what do you think in terms of, you know, I know these are early days of 2023, but would you consider this a buyer's market, a seller's market, or both? There's a bit of a balance to it right now, but it's still a seller's market in terms that uh, there's not a lot of inventory. And to get to a buyer's market, you're going to need about four to six months of inventory. And although we have a lot more inventory than we did in 2021 or the early part of 2022, we're still only at about two to two and a half months of inventory. And that's a huge jump from the one month or less than one month that we had in 2021. So it feels like there's a lot more inventory. It feels like a buyer's market. But in reality, it's not a buyer's market as yet. What about those sellers who are listening right now and saying to themselves, you know what, I missed the boat. I could have sold my home a year ago for a lot more than I could sell it for now. What do you want to say to them? It's the way the market goes. I mean, there's going to be times where you can maximize your return on your investment. And there's going to be times where, you know, I think what happened was a lot of sellers were spoiled during the heated market where they were getting two, three, four hundred thousand dollars over asking we may get back to that in a few years, maybe even by the end of the year or next year, we're going to start to get bidding wars and multiple offers back again because the demand hasn't gone away. It's now become pent-up demand. And what we've seen in the past when this has happened is that pent-up demand at some point just explodes and they start absorbing the inventory that's out there, causing more strain on the supply chain. So when that happens, you're going to start to see these bidding wars come back again into play. If uh, you see a lot of sellers right now holding on to properties that they don't have to sell. And if they don't have to sell, they're just saying, I don't need to move anywhere, so I'm just going to hold on to this property. Uh, with the rental market the way it is, some people are just renting out their homes, even if they've purchased something else, because they're getting a lot more in terms of rentals than they would have in the past. It's only the people that are stretched to the limit with the interest rate increases, if they're on variable, if they have really high home equity uh, lines out there. Those are the people that are being forced to sell, but there's not a lot of, out there. So in early 2022, I don't think anyone could have predicted what happened in the real estate market at that time, right? No, uh, you know, it was uh, it was quite the change, a drastic change, because the government had always been saying, we're not going to touch interest rates. The interest rates are mm. going to be here till 2025 at least. And all of a sudden, the bottom fell out and they started increasing interest rates pretty much on a monthly basis. So you couldn't predict what happened a year ago. Do you want to take a look at what do you think is going to happen in the next few months? I think we're going to be in for a bit of an adjustment period through January. And by February and March, we're going to start to see some of that pent-up demand start to hit the market, looking for homes. And we're going to start to see some absorption in the inventory that we already have. The, the people that have been holding off to make that move have now waited almost a year. And now they're getting antsy and they're going to start to make that move because this is the new normal. And it's not going to change. You're not going to see those half a percent or one percent interest rates that people were getting on variable but uh, you're going to start to see some activity because the five percent rates or so for fixed are going to be here for a long long time and they had been here for a long long time until the government had to step in during the pandemic period and lower those as an incentive. 
As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Tina, they can always contact me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.